and welcome to Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is episode 59, day 306 here in the Zen Room. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the incontrovertible Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. How are you tonight, Tommy? I'm okay, but since last time I saw you. Yes, that was about two weeks ago. Well, actually, no, I've seen you since. Uh... Right, right, Because right. I came to see August Osage County at Studio Theater, well, it was two weekends ago. So we had off last week and you did that two-episode thing. Yeah, I broke up the episode into two halves, which yeah. worked out really well, I thought. Yeah. There was a lot of good material on there. It's crowded. Yeah. It was, well, we had a lot of people here. We had a lot of, like, you know, you, me, John, Bryce, Stephen. That was it. Yeah, it was quite a crowd. Yeah. It was a good time, though. So, yeah, so August Osage County really enjoyed that. My play, The Weir, opened last weekend. And I've heard nothing but raves. Good, because I've been very, very happy about it. Good. Really have. It's really been an excellent production. And uh, Bryce finally moved out of the house. When you say it like that, it sounds like you were waiting impatiently (laughs) for him to pack up. Honey, if we were impatient, we would have told him to move out four years ago. That's true. When true he was enough. supposed to be here only for three months. Yeah, but what <laughs> happened on the fourth month? Well, then we had COVID strike, the whole thing. So, But it ended up, we were very glad to have him here. He's now he's now a member of the family. He's a good boy. Yes, he is. I miss him terribly. Yes, so do we. And so does Abigail. That's why he left a pair of his socks here rolled up in a ball. So now she comforts herself with that. She's pathetic. <laughs> Sweaty old socks. Bloody old socks. And we had some good news for the month of October. We had our second highest amount of downloads for the for the month. You showed me this before. Yes, I did. Yeah, Because our highest month was April earlier this year. But now our second highest amount has been October. How's this October compared to last October? Much higher. Much higher. Much higher. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, that even made me happier. And to the October before that? Well, we weren't in ex- I don't think we were in existence at that point. That's a lie. We've been doing this, what, 15, 18 years now? No. It'll, it, it, well, it was a year this past August slash September. So we started in 2021. Okay. See, once you start adding slashes to things, <laughs> it starts to look like algebra to me. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'll try to avoid that. Yeah. Slash. And then also, how was your Halloween? Oh, boring. Yeah, Halloween really sucked around my neighborhood too. And it sucked because all the neighbors, so many of my neighbors, go all out with decorating their houses and everything. And they look great. A lot of them put a lot of good work into it and they look really nice. And then Halloween Day comes and maybe a handful of kids come between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. So that's about it. You're tying in that... That decorated house. I mean, that's definitely the one you go to. Mm-hmm. But that there's not enough people going to them. Is that? What yeah, it's like people are doing all this work and everything, and then the kids aren't coming out at all. Yeah. Well, now I don't know if it's because the kids are waiting for their parents to get home from work and they're not getting home until late. I don't know what the story is, but it's just not the same. I mean, when I was a kid back many many years ago, right? We were out trick or treating till about eight or nine o'clock at night, and then after that we were. Playing with our friends and doing egg fights and stuff like that. You know, that was all part of Halloween. Right, right, right. Now the streets are just, they're just empty at night. Yeah. Just empty. It's its just, it's a shame what Halloween has become. It's, it's no longer a community holiday like well, that no, anymore. I, I think they're trying to over-communitize it. Well, yeah, because they want to keep protect the kids. Right. So they have events at schools or wherever what's instead. This, what's this trunken tweet thing? Trunken 
Yeah, I know South Shore Theater was participating in that. I'm not even sure. Oh, that was a single event. This is a common thing. This is something that now happens in many places yes. at Du Rigueur. Yeah, exactly. For Halloween. That's like the new thing now. Yeah. And it seems to be a big draw because on Saturday when we were in Lindenhurst before the show, we got there about 6.30 and there must have been over a thousand or so people Get out of here. in the village square, our village green area of Lindenhurst. For this Halloween event. It was huh. unbelievable how many people were there. I tried to get around it. I mean, and by 8 o'clock, it was like, boom, it's over. Everyone went home. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh-huh. man, when we got there at 6.30, it was jammed, packed with people. Were people dressed up? Yeah, yeah, people dressed up mostly. I didn't see most I say weren't. Now they were all hanging out the back of their car. So this is like pre-gaming? What do they call it? Uh... Well, uh, when you go to a baseball game or a concert and you have a party. Yeah, uh, uh, a tailgate party. A tailgate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I guess we'll move on to our first segment then. We haven't even gotten. Mm. Yes, it's time for a little heavy petting. Heavy petting. Ooh, we liked so much we did it twice. Anyway, I had a hard time finding a news story about dogs because the big news story was about some girl being mauled by, like, by, by about six dogs. Thank you. So I was like, no, we're not going to do that story. No, I don't like, no, no. But I found a story you might like about a dog that got head in Mexico. Oh, I love this. <laughs> I don't is know this if you heard dog, this. It, well, I don't know. Is this the dog that ran across the... Yep, yep, got yep. Picked up? First of all, did the guy who the guy who picked him up and ran him to the sideline, I watched it three times before I realized he was... Oh, no, this is a dog. different story than we're, thinking, we're talking about. I don't know what story you're talking about. What story are you talking about? The dog that ran onto the soccer field mid-match. Oh, yes. I saw that. I saw the, that. The, the the player who carried him off the pitch and, and in, onto the sidelines was one of the most beautiful creatures I've ever seen in my life. That's all I was saying. Okay. So that, I was, was that, that's not the story. No, no, no. This is about a dog that got head in Mexico. Okay. You see, what happened was... I'm not jumping back to my You see, what happened was in the town of Monte Escobedo in Mexico, a head and other body parts were found in an automatic teller booth in the town, and they were left next to a message referring to a drug cartel, but before the police could secure the scene, a stray dog grabbed the severed head and ran off. Yeah, they did. did they get it back? I mean, they must have. <laughs> Eventually, they were able to find the dog, and they retrieved the head. Not after he humped it. <laughs> The smell of it, probably. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I just that was a lot of meat. That's the only worthy story I can tell you that involved a dog this past week. Okay, that wouldn't have upset you too much. <laughs> so in that case, then we're going to move on to our compendium of canines, <laughs> our dictionary of dogs. Dictionary. <laughs> Another sound effect. Drum roll. I know we need him for this. We are now up to the letter H. No, we're not. We didn't do E. We did G last week. We did them all. We're going right in order. I wouldn't lie about that. We were up to the letter H. I know. I trust your record keeping. <laughs> you should. We were up to the letter H. Shit. Okay, go ahead. H. And today we're going to be talking about the Hellas Ford Elk Hound. Oh. It's a beautiful dog. Do you They're all beautiful a dogs. picture of it? I don't know if I'm in the mood to see it. Of course I want to see the picture of the dog. Bam. There's a dog. There we go. Unfold it to your laptop so you can see it close up. Instead of leaning across the room. Isn't that a beautiful dog? It's a very, very big, beautiful dog. Right? Yes. It originated in Sweden. Uh, they think it's the result of a uh, cross-hybridization between a female wolf and a male dog. Okay, wait. Say that again. They think it's the result of a hybrid mix of a female wolf and a male dog. So in order to make this dog, you have to have that? Well, that's what they think it derived from. From. Okay. Yeah. That's oddly specific to me. I mean, you can see a wolf and a dog. Yeah. 
But now that the genesis of this breed of dog is that the female was, we know for certain. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes. It's just oddly specific. All right, go ahead. So, uh, so my question was like, yes. so then do they have to do it? Is that the recipe now to make all, uh, all no, future no, versions? No, no, they don't. They don't have to do this that. Dog. Nope, they don't have to do that. Okay. No. It looks like it's built to be in the cold weather. That's exactly what it's built for. It's used primarily as a deer hunting dog. Well, in Jesus. harsh terrain and it, uh, for long periods of time. It's not a dog that's only out there for an hour or two when it comes yeah, back. No, that's kind of it can be the out there hours a and long hours. time. It's about 22 to 25 inches tall. It's known for his sickle or curly tail. It has a thick, harsh, dense double coat that is almost always yellow. It is known as an energetic, courageous, and persistent dog with a strong character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see that. It's, I mean, it's just, huh, I love the eyes. My God, that eyes. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. And what a shape. Really got a high butt, it looks like. And the way the frame comes it down. looks like, you know who he looks like? Uh, do you ever see the movie A Christmas Story? Yes. The bully. Okay. The bully's underling. Okay. What was his name? I don't remember off the top of my head. Oh, come on. Who was the bully? I don't remember. The little evil red-headed kid yes. who wore the cap. That's what that dog, that's what that dog inspires in me, brings to me. So that's what I see in that dog. It was oh uh uh, uh Farkas Burkus Farkas Farkas last name yeah I can't remember the Farkas and then he had a little screw uh, a little friend yeah he had the cap off the curly hair or whatever yeah, yeah yeah that's what that dog looks like to me yep. so that is the story of the Halifors Elkhound okay also known as the Halifors Hunds yeah, they can't all be you know winners this one fell oh Poor house for it, dude. Down. It hunts deer. Okay, that's this is not a family animal. This is something for where you live. This is to protect your property when you live in like hills and uh, huge, huge acreages. You have patrolled by dogs that look like that. Okay, and you know you can trust that motherfucker to do it. Yes, you can. Okay, but it never come. Let's have Christmas Eve together. Don't forget Spike. You know what I mean? Like he's not family. Aww. Poor Spike. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. Tony. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yes, it's time once again for today's birthdays. Okay. And for today's birthdays, two of them are former U.S. presidents. Oh, his voice goes up indicating horror for the next three minutes. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you all, because we're going to play a little game then afterwards. See, right there, I called that one ahead of time. <laughs> the first one whose birthday it is was the 11th U.S. President James Polk. Okay, what do we think of him? He was okay. He was okay. Not bad. What years was he? He was president from 1845 to 1849. Okay. Yeah. The other president whose birthday it is today is the 29th U.S. President Warren Hardy. Okay. He was president from 1921 to 1923. Okay. He does not exactly have a stellar reputation as a president. What's his name again? Warren Harding. Warren Harding. Okay. Yes. So How I bad? Figured, well, I, I figured that's it's it is two presidents' birthdays. We're gonna play a little a quiz saying which president was it? You know I love quizzes. I knew you do. Old man that I don't know anything about. Which president? Which president was a governor of Tennessee? What are my options? Polk or Harding? Those are your only two choices. Polk or Harding? Which one was... Polk was the guy before the war, before the Civil War. Yep. And Hardy was the guy right before the Great Depression? Um, no, well, right after World War One, I, I would say. Oh, uh, post-World War I. All right. Okay. Well, who... All right, so who, who... What did he say? Oh, you haven't guessed? What's the quote? I said, which president was a former governor of Tennessee? 
Polk. Polk it is. Very good. Which of the two was the only president to also serve as Speaker of the House? Uh, the other one. Harding? Harding. Incorrect. Also James Polk, Polk okay. which was the only elected president who was elected while still serving in the U.S. Senate. Harding. Harding is correct. Which president had Calvin Coolidge as his vice president? Uh, Harding. Harding is correct. Which president fought a war with Mexico? Um, Polk. Polk is correct. Very good. Which president died in office? Harding. Harding is correct. Which president promised to only run for one term? Polk. Polk is correct. And, act and, in, uh, and in actuality, after he left office, he died three months later. Ooh. See, now that's, to me, that's a life right there. <laughs> right. How, what was he? He did one term? One term. He, he promised to run for war. one term. Yep. He, he promised one term, served one term, died three months later. Yep. You don't think that's that's like uh, kind of awesomely weird? It is weird. But yeah, just sort of timed out that way. That's kind of creepy. Like, did he know something? Was he sick? Did Was he sick and nobody knew? You know, like, what the fuck was that? What, how, what, what happened there? I, I don't know. I, I don't know, know you. I know. Which president owned slaves? Oh, um, Polk is correct. Which president has his reputation damaged? by the Teapot Dome scandal. Harding. Harding is correct. And lastly, which president invited a prominent socialist to the White House after commuting his sentence under the, under the Sedition Act? Harding. Harding is correct. He invited Eugene Debs. Could you imagine bringing that bitch into my house? That was pretty ballsy of him. It was pretty ballsy bad. move. Oh, who does that? <laughs> Warren Harding did. He was an admirer of him. Can't deny him that. So to James Polk and Warren Harding, we say... But it's also someone else's birthday today, and they're still alive. And they're not a president. Okay, how pathetic. Okay. She was born in Edmonton, Alberta the daughter of a drugstore owner, and grew up on the Canadian prairie. After graduating college in 1982, she became, she became fascinated with the life and music of Patsy Cline and decided to pursue a singing career. She was a mezzo-soprano. She formed a tribute band called the Reclines and performed primarily at country western venues. In 1985, she won the most promising artist at the Juno, Juno Awards, which are the Canadian equivalent of the Grammys, and she accepted the award wearing a wedding dress. In 1988, she released her first solo album called Shadowlands. Shania Twain. Run. Celine Dion. Run. Later that year, she gained acclaim when she performed at the closing ceremonies of the 15th Winter Olympics in Calgary, Alberta. She also collaborated with Roy Orbison on a rendition of the song Crying, which won them the Grammy Award for Best Country Collaboration with Vocals in 1989. Shania Twain. Nope. She later won Grammys in 1990 for her uh, for Best Female Country Vocal Performance. Nope. For the song to Absolute Tour. Fortune Twang, and she won that same award in again in 1994 for her song Constant Craving. Oh, I, that one I could sing. And oh. in 2004, she shared. Alanis Morissette. Nope. In 19, I'm sorry, in 2004, she shared a, a Grammy Award with Tony Bennett for the best traditional pop vocal album for the album A Wonderful World. She also appeared at the opening ceremony of the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, British Columbia, where she performed Leonard Cohen's song Hallelujah. 
I hate that song. Really? I love that song. And Cohen has said that her rendition of it is his favorite. Okay. She has released seven solo albums, six collaboration albums. Are they all twangy? Uh, well, she she originally started in Constant country. Cra- Constant Craving, you said, right? Yes. She originally started Constant in country. Yep. Okay, I love that song. I, me too. I love that voice. I love that whole album, actually. But but is the rest of the album twangy? Like, was that song a one-off? Uh, no, because she was country, but she was also going into pop and folk a bit at that time. Okay. But I'll name a few of her albums, or a few of her standout albums. The song Constant Craving came out in the 1992 album, Ingenue. I love that song. Ingenue, I know that album. Yep. In 1997, she released the album Drag, which was all songs about smoking. In 2000, she released the album Invincible Summer, which is a great summer album. I absolutely love that album. And one of her, uh, one of my favorites also is... 2011's album called Sing It Loud with the uh, back backup band the Sis Boom Bang. Should I Twain? Nope, you keep saying that three times now. That's because it's the only name I know. She has appeared in films. She was a star of the film Salmon Berries in 1991. She was also in 1999's film of uh, Eye of the Beholder with Ewan McGregor and in 2006's The Black Dahlia. How old is she now? Um, she uh, She's 60. Now. Yep. Okay. She's also appeared on episodes of Ellen, Dharma and Greg, How I Met Your Mother, and Portlandia. She also made a guest appearance in 2014 in the Broadway musical review After Midnight. She came out of the closet as a lesbian in June of 1992 in The Advocate. She is a vegetarian and animal rights activist. And she's always barefoot. I don't know about that. And her 1990s Meat Stinks campaign led to boycotts of her music in some U.S. and Canada radio stations. What was the what was the charity? Well, she was an uh, animal rights activist and she was a vegetarian, so she started this meat stinks campaign to discourage meat eating. To discourage people from eating meat. Yep. Okay. She also famously appeared on the cover of the August 1993 issue of Vanity Fair photographed by Herb Ritz. It featured her in a barber chair while model Cindy Crawford appeared to be shaving her face with a straight razor. She also practices Tibetan Buddhism as they've been a supporter of Tibetan human rights causes. Still don't know who this is, huh? No, but look at look at how happy you are. You got to read your whole thing. I, I I just can't believe you haven't guessed who it is. I know who it is. Who is it's it? Shania Twain. No! <laughs> I have no idea who it is. Kate? I mean, I know, I know, I know, I know uh, who it is. I just I can't think of her name. I can see her picture. I just can't think of her name. K.D. Lang. K.D. Lang. How can you not remember that name? Yeah, well, I'm not a, I'm not a country music fan. Neither am I, but I love her music. Um, I have a lot of her albums. I think Constant Craving is... Uh, a, a beautiful piece of it. But that's from the Ingenue album, which is a great. It has Miss, Miss Chatelaine's on that, which is so a great it's song. It's sort of like it's 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 not like Katie Lang. It's not like Dolly Parton's country. No, I would no. It's not. It's more a contem- more more contemporary country. All right. You know. Okay. That's the only way I can really describe it. You know. Consistently, she's like that. I don't know. I mean, she's done standards like on the album Drag. A lot of them were standard songs. No, no, no. I mean, like never mind. Okay. I'll never mind. Go ahead. She's always in that genre. She's always in that sort of cool, smooth, sort of easy, jazzy country music. Or does she go twangy and shit kick in and heel kick in? Both. And, okay. I would say both. Okay. Yep. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. She covers a wide range, I'd say. Right? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I like that song very much. Good. Me too. So to Katie Lang, we say...
Happy birthday, Katie. Happy birthday, Katie Lang. Sorry, I have no idea. No, your face, though. Do we know what KD stands for? Yes. Catherine Dawn Lang. Catherine. Yep. K-A-T-H-R-Y. K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. Okay, very traditional. Catherine Dawn Lang. Dawn is anything but traditional. Lang. Lang. Okay, very nice. We now move on to our next segment. You don't know who died? I don't know who died. Oh my God, I'll have to tell you about him then. He was born in 1935 in Faraday, Louisiana, in a poor farming family. Faraday? Faraday. F-E-R-I-D-A? F-E-R-R-I-D-A-Y. Oh, damn. Okay, sorry. As a youth, he began playing piano and making music with his cousins Mickey Gilly and Jimmy Swaggart. You know those names, don't I've you? heard the name Swaggart, the televangelist. Is that not this guy? Nope. What's his name? Well, I haven't told you his name. I'm going to see if you can figure it out. No, you just said I said he's cousins with Mickey Gilly and Jimmy Swaggart. And I'm asking if that Swaggart is the same guy as the televangelistic guy. I just said he's the televangelist. He is? Yes. All right, so you, you know that. Excellent. In 1949, at age 14, he made his first public appearance with a country western band at a car dealership. His mother enrolled him at a Bible school in Texas, but after he performed a boogie-woogie rendition of the song, My God is Real, he was eventually expelled. Hold on. Do we know when this guy was born? 1935. 1935. So by the time he gets expelled out of school... It's got to be 1945, 1947, right? It's later than that. Yeah, okay. All right. In 1956, he traveled to Memphis, Tennessee and signed with Sun Records. He made solo records and recorded as a a session musician for Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash. Is it like um, a hoedown music day or something? Is that why we're going through all this? No, because he died. This person died. Oh, he died. Yes. Didn't Jerry Lee Lewis die? Who the fuck? What do you think I'm talking about? Uh, oh, I guessed it. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I was going into a 7-Eleven, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Jerry Lee Lewis died. Yes, he hit it big in 1957 with the songs "Whole Lot of Shaking Going On." And Great Balls of Fire. Whole lot of shaking going on was selected for permanent preservation in the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress. And really aren't both of them forever engraved in the heart of every gay man. They should be. But Lewis, of course, became known for his uh, wild, distinctive piano playing. Yes. Kicking the piano bench and playing while standing. Scandalous. You know, raking his hands up and down the keys. He later in his career, though, he became a popular country music artist scoring 17 top 10 hit singles from 1968 to 1977. In 1989, a motion picture based on his early life was made called Great Balls of Fire, starring Dennis Quaid. Well, anything related to him now will always be one of those two titles. Exactly. Uh, Lewis, of course, was married seven times. Yeah, this is where things start to get bad. Yeah, his most famous marriage was to Myra Gale Brown in 1957, who at the time was either 13 or 14 years old, and Lewis was like 22 years old. And he was saying, well, she's 15. But no, she was about 13 or 14. And uh, she was a first cousin also. I, yeah, I think I heard second cousin. I, I heard first, but who knows? It's, it still wasn't... Uh, it was too close. It wasn't looked upon well by the public. And he was on a tour of Great Britain at the time, and the tour got canceled. But he had also, I think, uh, six children from all of his marriages. 
He was married seven times. Yep. He had six children. Yes. Or he did it was one each? I don't know. I didn't look that part up. He was married at the time of his death. What he happened? Oh, so number seven. Well, he was eighty something when he died, right? He was eighty seven years old. Yeah, so he was not like there was another child coming for wife seven. No, 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 nothing like that. Okay. No. Nope. Lewis had a dozen gold records in both rock and country. He wore he won four Grammy Awards, including a Lifetime Achievement Award. And two Grammy Hall of Fame awards. He's the original rock and roll star, I think, isn't he? Well, you got him, you had Chuck Berry, you had Little Richard, you had Elvis, you know? He, uh, okay, you're right, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986. Like that offensiveness. That rock and roll, or that that bratty. Yeah, he brought that. That wild. He was like the wild man of rock and roll. That's what I'm talking about. That that spirit. Yep. Of fuck it. Yeah. Which you didn't see again until punk music came along. Exactly right. Right? He also was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2022. And in 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked him number 24 on their list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. This, this... This episode is giving me allergies. We're spending too much time down south. What the fuck? Except for the Norwegian dog that's, you know, protecting my property. Well, before we leave, I'll be playing. Here's a Jerry Lee Lewis selection. Goes round, 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 breathless, round, breathless, round, So, yeah, so, feel. Farewell, Jerry Lee Lewis. Thank you for the music. And now, we move on to yeah, our yeah, next segment. Today in history! Today in history, November 2nd, 1955, Boise, Idaho's only newspaper reported the arrest of three men for lewd conduct with a minor and sodomy, which set off a two-year gay panic in the city. What year? This was in 1955. Okay, go It seems that there was an investigation and there were complaints about a local YMCA and that men were hooking up with young teenage boys at the local YMCA. Okay. So they at first arrested three people, a 33-year-old shoe repairman, 29-year-old freight worker, and a 51-year-old store clerk. But when the arrests were announced, the county probation officer said, without any evidence, that the investigation had only scratched the surface of child molestation activities in Boise, involving several adults and over 100 teenagers. Uh-oh. So, of course, this set off a whole big gay witch hunt in Everybody town, gotta go find the gays now. Where everybody started reporting suspicious people who fit, you know, in that category. Times was hard. Yeah. And eventually it got to the point where the son of a city councilman was found to be involved in the scandal. Oh, shit. So, but it seemed that behind this whole investigation, they think, that's been theorized, that the powers that be of the city were trying to clean up the town. And they were trying to basically counter the power of this wealthy homosexual known as 
the queen. Okay, okay, okay. But once it started getting, once this investigation started getting too close to home for some of these people. Where are we? This is in Boise, Idaho. In, Boise, Idaho. In 1955 to 57. 1957, Boise, Idaho. Yeah. Okay. So eventually the scandal died down by the end of 1957. Our boys aren't safe. But by then, almost 1,500 people had been questioned. How many complaints were there? Well, 16, a total of 16 men were arrested. 14 pleaded guilty and faced sentences ranging from probation to life in prison. One person was sentenced to life in prison. He only served nine years. Two of the 16 actually went to trial. One was found not guilty. The other one was found guilty and sentenced to five years. Okay. So that's a little known chapter of history about a gay witch hunt that we course know nothing about down there in boise idaho in 1955 yep but you can learn more about it there's a book called the boys of boise written by a man named john jirasi there's also a 2006 documentary called the fall of 55 clips of which are available on youtube and i'll try to post onto the blog um 1955 boise idaho yeah this is during the Red Scare and the homosexual panic going on nationwide as part of that. So these are crazy times in yeah. the United States. So it doesn't seem all that shocking that something like this happened. No, because it's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. it, it seems to be happening now. It's on its way to happen now, you know, again. That's why I thought it was a good time to bring it up. You did not. No, I didn't. <laughs> But I did find the story, and it happened today, so I was like, oh, I got to talk about it. That's what I did. Boise, Idaho, 1955. Yep. Lock up the gays. They put two of them in jail? Well, they put 14 of them My in jail. My question was, how many complaints were made by the boys or their families against any of these men? None that we know of. Most were found by investigation. It seems that the police had retained a private detective. They were caught red-handed. Who, I guess, pursued this investigation, yeah. Okay. Because then, well, now you got one, now tell me, give me others, we'll go easier on you if you tell me others, and blah, yeah, 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 I see it happening, I see it, I see it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. Yep, yeah, thank God things have changed a little bit since then. So that we recognize when it changes right back to it again. Exactly. Because that's happening is going to happen. Yes, it is. And we'll be talking about more of that later in a later segment. But for now, we're going to move on. Tease. What's that? Good tease. Thank you. I don't know if that's an industry term or if I just made it up. Yeah, I don't care, but it worked. It was good tease. Thank you very <laughs> much. I give good tease. You, oh, God. <laughs> we now move on to our next segment. What the heck is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I'm confused, you see. For what day is it? Today is National Deviled Egg Day. Okay. Do you eat deviled eggs? I do. do I see no reason not to. Do you enjoy deviled eggs? I do. I find them uh, a nice, it's like a nice surprise, like a nice fluffy egg surprise. Yes, it is. I like it. Best served as an appetizer as a side dish. Or 2 o'clock in the morning when you buy yourself in your underwear and you're just watching the TV. So yeah, they're easy enough to make. But that's assuming, well, I guess, but who it's feels like, egg. who would want to feel, who feels like making all that in, uh, in 2 in the morning? No, but they last <laughs> from the party before you got it oh. to, to take out from the guy or whatever it was you were at the deli, they had deviled eggs. I did not know that. You're going to have deviled eggs in the house. Okay. All right. So I like deviled eggs. They're, they're easy to make, though, aren't they? They're. It's not. It's. A, it's just. Yeah, an it's, egg. Actually, it's a hard-boiled egg that's been shelled. It's cut in half and it's filled with a paste made from the egg yolks mixed with other ingredients like mayonnaise or mustard. But you, it's usually served cold, of course. But of course, there are other ingredients that you can add to it as well. 
You could add, um, or some of the things I read about, you could add cod liver, pickle relish, vinegar, scallions, green olives, pimentos, minced onion, caviar, capers, and sour cream. Wow. Those are among the very many variations I've found. And you just make the paste of the egg yolk with all of that shit. Yep. And spoon it back into the hole where you took the yolk out from. Exactly. Put a little bit of paprika up across that. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Very cool. Today's that day? Today's that day. Devil Egg Day? Devil Day Day. Uh, I get behind Devil Egg Day. <laughs> also Devil Dog Day. That's yeah. a different day. Today is also All Souls Day. All Souls. Yeah, they had to give us that one. I mean, that was sort of like, the kick. it's like November 1st is All Saints Day, so it's all of us holy people, we get today, and then, oh shit, and then we'll do All Souls the next day. Well, so accor that well according to the, the Christian liturgy, All Souls Day is the third day of what they call All Hallow Tide, which starts with All Hallows Eve, October 31st, right? followed by All Saints Day, November 1st, right? Well, followed by All Souls Day. Okay, so what's the difference between saints and souls? Well, it's a us and them thing is what I'm saying. Well, It's yes. a built-in division that's unnecessary. Well, what it was in All Souls Day under the Catholic uh, Catholic Church canon, isn't it? There, isn't it, it was. Holiday? It was. It was a day that was supposed to for prayer remembrance of the faithful departed who may not have necessarily made it into heaven who were in purgatory. So that you would buy indulgences and say prayers and make, you know, I guess donations in hopes of advancing those departed souls into heaven. And thus making them... Okay, go ahead. So what's the next day then? There is no next day after. No, after. so the first day is But what then. it is, after the Reformation and there became other Christian denominations... They sort of moved away from that interpretation and just think of it now as just a day of remembrance for all departed souls, not just those of the particular faith. Oh, I see. I get it. Still, it's a fucked up thing, okay? All Hallows Eve is so important it gets its own Eve. How many other holidays have an Eve? Easter don't have an Eve. There ain't no Easter Eve. Christmas has an Eve. Christmas has an Eve. How many? St. Patrick's Day Eve? Single Day Mayo? No. Two holidays. Well, there may be more that we're just not aware of. That we don't celebrate to the fullest extent of the law, Christmas and Halloween. Exactly. I'm just saying it's it's suspicious to me. <laughs> anyway, to, to set up one day for, for all the saints and for all of us up here people, and one day for everybody else, and oh yeah, let's pray for other people who have no chance of going to heaven because they have a different God, and we'll pray for them too. And uh, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. It's sort of fucked up, that built-in sort of thing. And then when they forget, now the okay, so we're going to combine it all into one. And what day do you think they picked? The one with the Eve. Now All Saints Day, the Saints have to share with everybody else. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Or else just we're going to be so never. Well, you do realize that the when the Catholic Church was designating a lot of these holidays, they were also trying to correspond them with pagan holidays at the time. Every one of them. Such as for October 31st, which was the pagan holiday of Sam Hain. So that's why they put it, you know, it eventually became associated with that then. All right, let's get, let's, let us get a holiday there too. Oh, you do this on this day? Let me show you what we do on this Right. Day. Yeah, so it's still, the, yeah, 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 I see that happening. Okay. Yeah. And the same thing with Christmas. Oh, well, yeah. There was a holiday around then called Saturnalia. It was a Roman holiday. Yeah, there ain't no snow or fucking green for forever green trees where Jesus was born. No, there wasn't. So... 
you know, it's... But you got to Eve! All about Eve. But anyway, as Old Souls Day, it used to be believed by some of the peasantry in many Catholic countries that the dead would return to their former homes on All Souls Day or night... Can I tell you something? ...and partake of their food... Okay. And in some areas, they would bake what they call tear roll cakes or plum cakes that they left for the deceased on a table. Okay. You know what it sounds like? What does it sound like? Dio de Muerte. Day of the Dead. What day is that? I don't know. November 1st. Is it? Are you sure about um, that? I, I, I'm sure enough to, to, to put on this voice. Okay. Yeah. No, look it up. Don't. Okay. And now, the, the gauntlet was just thrown. Oh, my God. You're going to oh, say, okay, with a patronage I better nod pick of up your that ever I hand. best pick up that gauntlet and verify what you are saying. Yeah. You should do that. I'm doing it right now as we speak. It doesn't look like it. Oh, it does. It does, though. And do oh, I see Day of the Dead here, listed for November 1st? Ah, here we go. The Feast of the First Day of the Day of the Dead. It's a Mexican holiday. Also celebrated in Haiti, it appears. On what day? Hmm? On what day? November 1st. Okay. And 2nd. Okay. So what was your point? Never that, mind. That they were similar holidays? My point was made. Well, it seems that they probably adapted All Souls Day and All Saints Day into this, into the Mexican culture and made it Day of the Dead. Right. Colonization. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's what happened. Anyway, can we move on to our next segment now? I'm, I got to tell you, I'm kind of stuck on November 1st right now. You're kind of stuck? What? Yeah, why? We're, on, we're, we're in November 2nd. Never mind. <laughs> You're going back in time. Yeah, because we just spent a whole 20 minutes talking about that date. And well, no, we, spent, we were talking about All Souls Day, which is today. We weren't talking about All Saints Day, which was yesterday. But we kind of did, though, didn't we? We referred to it. That's yes. where the story But it ended. wasn't the predominant issue that we discussed. No, it was what we discussed. Well, it, it made, wasn't it what, what you, you discussed. It wasn't what you planned. So it was not what we discussed. It was exactly what we discussed, not what you planned. That's it. That's it. That's it, counselor. We now move on. If we can. To our next segment. Turn your head and cough. <laughs> oh, shit, I could have done better than that. Then I'm on wings. I thought it was kind of <coughs> low-key. Yes, it was a low-key cough. It's been quite clowny. Okay. Well, I think you're going to like this discussion. It's all about mushrooms. I like mushrooms. Magic mushrooms. I like magic mushrooms. It seems that the largest ever clinical trial trial of psilocybin, which is the active compound in mushrooms, okay. is going to begin by the end of December. And who are they giving it to? Uh, it's being done by a company called Compass Pathways. It's based in the UK, a pharmaceutical company. Okay. And they are going to be entering into the phase three of the uh, clinical trials of the uh, use of it. What is the, its intended use? To They're using it to uh, combat depression. Okay. Treatment for depression. Magic mushrooms. Yes. Go and ahead. The study that they're doing it includes more than 900 people in 14 countries and is projected to conclude by the middle of 2025. Okay. Now, it seems that there was another trial initially before this, I guess their phase two trial, and they had 230-something participants in it who had what they called uh, moderate to severe treatment-resistant depression, which meant that any medications that I they were being given... Oh, okay. You're familiar with the term? I'm familiar with the In term. case our audience members aren't, it refers to people with depression who are being given medications normally given to treat depression, and they are having no effect on their depression at all. All the participants in this 
prior study had treated us with as many as four different antidepressants without success. Three weeks after taking a 25 milligram dose of the psilocybin, 29% of them reported improvements in their depression. Okay, hold on one second. Okay, but three months later, that number had fallen to 20%. After they took them off it or with continued use? With continued use. Okay, so it was really good early on and started to wane a couple of months later. Right. All right. So now they said, now they're going to try this with a bigger study. What's going to happen with this study is first participants are going to attend three therapy sessions. This is the 900 people one. Yes. Okay. They're going to be in three therapy sessions first with a licensed clinician. On the day of the treatment, they're going to be given psilocybin in pill form. Then they're going to lie down in a room with two therapists. They're going to be wearing eye masks and listening to a carefully curated playlist designed to map the trajectory of the psychedelic experience. The participants will be remain in the room with the um, I'm sorry, two therapists you have to say and engage in like a talking therapy with them during that time. And go back to that thing, what you said. They got to be masked. They got to be, be in a mask, and they're forced to listen. And they're going to be listening to a a uh, a playlist that's designed to map the trajectory the trajectory of the psychedelic experience. To map it or to lead it? To map it. They want to see where it goes with the playing of the music. With the playing of the music. Okay. Yes. Now, it seems that during this this trial, uh, this phase two trial, a small number, a very small number of participants experienced suicidal thoughts three weeks after treatment. After treatment stopped. Yeah. Well, after three weeks of receiving treatment. How many of them? It was a very small number. It's a statistically insignificant number. And after all three treatments? I guess after three weeks of treatment. Oh, okay. So. Because it's, I, I'm sorry, I'm conf- I'm tripping over the three weeks. Is it three weeks after the first dose? Is it three weeks after every dose? I'm not sure Is if they're giving them. from the end of I, all I, I'm not sure. It's just, it, I, from what I've, everything I've read, it doesn't make clear whether they're getting regular doses or if they're just getting one dose that part is not clear to me but they have three meetings before they even get dosed they have three therapy sessions okay yeah i thought each dosage was accompanied with okay never mind all right but anyway one of the problems with the use of psilocybin they said is they don't really know how it works okay they didn't design yeah because they say it engages the serotonin receptors in the brain but if they're able to uh positively identify the active ingredient they can then turn it into a pill so that people do not hallucinate okay uh there's also another school of thought that says that the euphoria produced by the psilocybin may help a person explore his feelings and experiences with that they can't do on other medications right and thus helping perhaps the depression yes okay they said there are also other studies being uh, conducted to ascertain psilocybin's use to treat alcoholism, smoking cessation, anorexia, Lyme disease, Alzheimer's disease, OCD, and post-traumatic stress disorder. So this shit's going to fix your head. That's what they're hoping to prove. That'll if they be able can find to find out what these. it is without the trip. But this is all, like I said, it seems like, well, this this study by this British company, this seems like, it, I said, it's in the phase three trial. And they're British. Which is like so. one of the last stages before they go then to the FDA for any kind of approval of manufacture of the drug and distribution in the country. Do you know how many stages there are? No, I do not. Okay. But I'm assuming it's near the end. Three. That's what it sounds like. I would say there's no more than five. Probably. That would sound It probably number. is stage three. If if at stage three they're doing the 900 people, which is more than, what did they do the first time? 300 people? Two, about 230. All right. So they're up in the people they're willing to vet it on. Yeah. So that's a good sign. Definitely. So where do they go after 900? That I don't know. Ah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They, now, I work for 900 people, so let's do it now. I guess it's all going to depend on the results they get. You know, of course it's going to be. Oh, whether there's going to be 
whether they can prove that there's long-term beneficial effects of using psilocybin to treat depression. I, 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 that's that's the kicker in the rubber part. That's what we're looking for to yep. find out. That's why okay. it's going on until 2025. What I'm saying is that it seems that each stage increases the number of people, not neatly and cleanly. It's not like it's exactly a third, but the two-thirds bigger than the first. Like, but if, So if they're starting at 9,000, you said? 9,000 or 900? 900. 900. Okay. If we're at 1,000 people uh-huh. at stage three, there's got to be like five stages, at least. I don't know. We'll find out. If only there was some sort of easily accessible information source and not just mom's encyclopedias at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> Never mind that, though. Let's move on because time, time, time. Time, TikTok. time, time. TikTok, TikTok. In that case, it's time to take a look into my briefs. And this week, in okay. look into my briefs. See what happens when you look at your briefs? Yes, I know, briefs? right? The Supreme Court this week. Oh, these guys are a killer. Good old Supreme Court. They heard oral arguments did, okay. uh, this week. Okay. Case which is challenging affirmative action. Okay. There are actually two cases. One is against uh, Harvard University, which is a private university. The other one is against the University of North Carolina, which is a public university. Right. Both the suits were brought by the Students for Fair Admissions. They're ostensibly representing Asian American students, okay. I guess, and other students who are claiming that they have been discriminated against by the use of these affirmative action programs. But this group, the Student for Fair Admissions, the organization was founded by a conservative legal strategist named Edward Bloom, who also founded the Project on Fair Representation, with a goal to end racial classifications and education, voting procedures legislative redistricting, and employment. So in the lawsuit, the plaintiffs claim that Harvard imposed a soft racial quota, which kept the numbers of Asian Americans artificially low. They said that the percentage of Asian Americans admitted to Harvard was suspiciously similar year after year, despite dramatic increases in the number of Asian American applicants. However, of course, Harvard responded that uh, race is one of many factors they consider in its admission policy, that it receives more than 40,000 applications, most of which are academically qualified, and therefore it must consider more than grades and test scores to fill its 2,000 available slots. First come, first serve, right? The school also said that the percentage of Asian American students admitted to Harvard grew from 17% to 21% in a decade, while the Asian American population consisted of about 6% of the U.S. population. Harvard also said that it studied more than a dozen race-neutral admissions alternatives and found that none of them promoted Harvard's diversity-related educational objectives as well as Harvard's program. So now this all begs the question, what is the racial breakdown currently at Harvard? Off the top of my head, I don't know. Really? Yeah, I didn't think that was necessary to know for this. Okay, well, no, it sounded to me as though... Never mind. Okay, that's fine. But what it is, it's now Asian-American students are claiming that they're being discriminated against in favor of, of, of other minority students. Are you are, are you euphemizing around... Oh, and by you, I mean they. Are they euphemizing themselves around saying the black people? Well, they're saying that... But they're not, they're not even saying that. All they're basically saying is, is that Harvard imposed a soft quota, which are illegal... Under the law, quotas are, are illegal. 
And it just so happens that in their admissions for the past blah, blah, number of years, there happens to be the same number of Asian people every year, or near near same right. number of Asian That's people what they're claiming. every year for accusations. Whereas Harvard said it's actually increased over this a past decade. Okay. So who's right? Well, it doesn't really matter who's right because it's before the current U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, Jesus. You know how they're going to rule. Tell me. They're going to rule against Harvard and the University of North Carolina, saying fine, then they're going to find that affirmative action is unconstitutional. They'll find it a violation of either the 14th Amendment or the Voting Rights Act or the Civil Rights Act. They'll find some justification to remove it. Okay. Now, currently in the United States, nine states ban affirmative action, and studies have already shown that in those states, the racial diversity in the college campuses decreased. When you say what you said, affirmative action, yes, does that implicitly, or should it, like, in, just in the meaning of the term amongst... All affirmative action means is that race is one of a number of factors that is considered when uh, judging college admissions. That is a factor to consider is their race. Okay, okay. That's all affirmative action basically is. It's done to correct historic injustices in the American educational system. With, uh, what I'm asking is, is it specifically with the black, with the African Americans, and not necessarily just all poor people in general, not just the black and browns? And it white, seems to have risen. It seems to have arisen mostly with African Americans. That's uh, what. That's what I'm saying is that it, affirmative action to me seems like a very 1970s thing that was centered all around black people. So now when you say that, when anybody, anybody ever said that, I question, is that what it sort of means generally or is it just up in here with us? Well, it's supposed to apply to all... I know what it's supposed to do. Non-whites, basically. I'm no? asking if it's like language, like like specifically you... Never mind. It's okay. I get it. So now they're not allowed. Now it's the law, right? Affirmative. So unless the states say you don't have to do that? Well, like I said several states have already banned the, the uh, practice or use of affirmative action. Uh, affirmative action. All right. So what do they do? But now the Supreme Court, because it's now taking a, addressing affirmative action in two different states, which allow it. So now they're going to decide whether it's still constitutional or not. Okay. But hearing the oral arguments this week, everyone's betting they're going to be ruling against affirmative action. Well, that's why they were put there. That's what. That's part of their deal with the people. That's the kind of thing they're going to do. You, you, this can't surprise you. That they're just overturning long-term precedents at the drop of a hat. I'm sorry. Were you alive two months ago? Yeah, I was. Um, and that was a fifty-year-old precedent that yeah. they just dropped like that. Uh, uh, yeah, so and why are you doing question, the same thing? They're going to be doing the same thing here. I'm saying, why are you questioning their willingness to do it? It doesn't surprise anybody that they're going to do it. That's what they're going to do. But it also undermines the credibility and respect for the U.S. Supreme Court as the supreme legal body of the United States. Yes, of course it does. That's why. That's exactly right. But it's happening. Yes, and it, it happens. Yep. So what's, for all the for all the fancy speaking and for all the on the soapbox, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not going to change anything because they're not listening to you mm -hmm. and they're getting away with what they're doing. So what's your, like, I don't know. Was it wrong to bring it up? No, I'm then just saying, problem what do you do? How do you fix it? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? Where do you, like... Like, is there a way around it? What do we have to do? I don't know. There are smarter people than me who probably have solutions for that or alternative yeah. alternatives, you know? Let's hope. Let's hope anyway. Anyway, let's now move on to our next segment. Yes, put on your helmets, get into your shelters. It's time for 
the week in fascism. And I guess we're going to start this discussion with tonight's speech by Joe Biden. Ah, yes. In which he basically warned the American public that democracy is on the ballot in this year's midterm election. And basically condemning the, the growing political violence, the voter intimidation, the voter suppression. And he basically said that if people are not willing to recognize the results of a fair and legal election, that they're in, that they're in a, that they're on a path to chaos, that we're on a path to chaos. And I can't disagree with a single thing no. that he says. No, he, everything he said was right. He said it. What's shocking is that it's shocking. It's like, how much more violence do you need between January 6th and now the attempted attack on the Speaker of the House. Joe Biden is talking to two people. One of them is the choir. Well, he's talking to them. Okay. The he's also talking to the independents. Is a brick wall. I guess the brick wall you don't really like. No, forget there are more independents than there the are Republicans or Democrats. There are a lot more independents. So he's speaking to them too. All right. You know? Because it seems so odd. Like everybody, mm -hmm. I so agreed with him and everything was so um, not only accurate, but plain. Yeah, but but I can't help but think again. You're either preaching to the choir or you're talking to a wall. But you are talking to people who are Those still out there. people in between, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because there are plenty of people who are just generally uninformed about what's going on in this country. They really are. But they'll see someone's name and they'll see a party associated with it. Oh, I'll vote for him then. Not knowing anything at all about them. Unfortunately, that's allowed. And yeah. what you trade off for that is your kid graduating high school knowing about trigonometry instead of how the local uh, village the local people, how we as a interact with that sort of social, so we do social studies. How about some social interaction? How do you write a check? How do you go shopping? Okay, right. give him a give him a year of that instead of trigonometry. He'll pick up the trigonometry for fuck's sake. Uh, I'm just saying it's it's you can't. It's almost like you can't blame them. Nobody showed them how. Well, nobody tells me how to interact with the local government at the DMV police department public swimming pool level. Like you don't know that. You know you're not taught that. What people don't understand is they have more power politically at the local level than they do at the state or national level. Unless they've got a shitload of money to go spend on on donations to candidates or whatever. All politics is local. Yeah. That's what Tip O'Neill said. Is that who said it? Yes, it was. I Speaker added, of the House, Tip O'Neill. I added on to that. Oh. Yeah. Um, what was it? All politics is local. And so is all theater. Theater is local. <laughs> Thank you for that corollary. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm proud of it. Theater is local. But anyway, as we know, next week is the midterm elections. It's currently being predicted that the Republicans are going to take back the House of Representatives. The Senate seems to still be in a toss-up. But these polls have generally proven to be unreliable in these past elections, so no one really knows what's going to happen. No, of course I don't know. It's happening a week from now. I know. But I'm going to make an election pitch here to people right oh, now. Oh, God. Do we want to politicize? Yes, we do. Do I want my name associated with this politicization? Well, then I will make a single solo political pitch right now. Okay. And if I there's mean... anything you disagree with, you can say so. Oh, are you allowed to do that on the air? Why not? No one's supporting us. We're free. No reason why we can't. It's so not like Disney's going to come or NBC or CBS is going to come. It's not like we're going to lose any corporate support. We don't have any corporate support. Okay. <laughs> so we can speak our minds. It just seems like a commitment to publicly on. On the other hand, it doesn't matter because if it ever comes up against you, you could just say, that's not real. That didn't happen. That wasn't me. Oh, uh, um, yeah, I kind of remember him once in a row. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Do your thing. I'm just going to say, if, if you support the idea of 
armed people observing election drop boxes where people want to go vote, if you support people running for office who are denying the results of the 2020 election and, and are running for offices that now oversee elections, if you support laws that make it harder to vote, if you support school board candidates that want to either ban books or close libraries or ban any mention of queer people, if you support a proposed federal abortion ban, if you support people who want to cr criminalize interstate travel for seeking an abortion, if you support a proposed federal don't say gay bill, if you support repealing Obamacare, if you support repealing Social Security, if you support repealing Medicare, if you want to ban gender-affirming medical care for trans kids, if you want to withdraw military support for Ukraine. This is going to be hard to put on a poster. If, you're if you believe that January 6th was just a lawful protest, if you like, want candidates who, don't, who didn't support any investigation into January 6th, if you want to support a fascist president running for re-election, if you want to support people who mock an attempted attack on the Speaker of the House, if if you think that patrolling drag time story hour is more important than when your kids are actually learning in school and increasing and improving their academic achievements, if you're for all of that, vote Republican. That's what you deserve. Beautifully said. That's what you deserve. Sort of interesting. It was sort of a cross between like commencement address. Because you know, you had that rhythm with the if you support it, and if you support yep. it, and if you support it. And we all knew where it was going. Uh, I'm wondering how long the list needed to be. It's like George Carlin and the Ten Commandments, he got it down to like two. Because I think people need to be reminded of what this party is doing and has done. So you I know? this is the issues, Ed. This is, uh, these are the issues that you support. Now, well, no, these are these. Is the opposite. I'm right. I'm opposed to all See, of that's these. the problem, I think, is that you're making me think of the opposite. Like, if you said, if you support and then put the good thing, freedom of abortion, but, if you support, blah, 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 if you, if you support, if it's, yay, I support that, and then I, but this one, I got to do math. Well, this one means if you're a Republican, it means you, you support these issues that, as I just outlined. I know what it means. It took long enough for you to get through the do you support and for what, me to figure what, it out. And what really annoys me is that people say, oh, well, my congressman or my senator... He's not one of those Republican. He's a moderate Republican. And I say, you know what? That's bullshit. Because before January 6th, those same moderate Republicans supported all of Trump's policies, Support would have supported him getting reelected, support him probably now to get him, to him for him to run the office. There are no moderate Republicans. They are fascist enablers. Okay. The Republican Party is not a Democratic elected political party. It's a now a fascist party. There's no other way to describe it. Okay. I don't disagree. So, that was my big political oh, pitch. You laid that shit out. I couldn't think of any other way to lay it out, you yeah, know. You went, into, you went into all sorts, uh, yeah, all the, all the, all the speech giving tropes, you know, your rhythm thing, and you got your repeated phrase and and your uh, lists. Uh, yeah, it was good. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. In that case, then we're now going to move on to our next segment. And you, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yes, it's time for we like to watch. You woo 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 woo. You do that so good. So I know, sexy. I know. I can turn it on. Oh god. Ooh, that, would, some, that would be. Have some more wine. <laughs> I was gonna say all the things in my head. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, honey, there ain't enough wine, and I did. 
So, yeah, I'm sorry. I was a little... Uh, what do we do? We're watching. We're doing League. We like to watch. So Ameri- what did you watch? American Horror Story. Yes! American Horror... I watched two episodes of the new season, New uh, York City. You no, know, it's interesting because they're, they're releasing them two episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. So I have seen four episodes. Okay, yeah. We, yeah I, gotta... I don't know where that puts me in the chronology of what has been released. Okay. I think it's only been four released so far. I know that they... I, I think, think actually there should be two more tonight. tonight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been watching that. I like it. It's very gay. Very gay. I see Larry Kramer in um, the guy at the at the newspaper. That's Joe Mantello. That's okay. the actor that got the glasses. Yeah, That's Joe Mantello. Yeah. Why is who was in Angels in America? Why is he's in everything lately? Okay, it seems to me like he's in that role of Larry Kramer, even if they don't go as far as Larry did. Yeah, but exactly. Sort of an Amish with Why is nobody listening? Why? What do I have to do? And and why is nobody? Li- yeah, and this is Dan. We're in Dan. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I like is they're taking this old story because they have that Zachary Quinto character who's yeah. like that art dealer or whatever it's he is. So hot all the time. And there was back in the eighties this art dealer named Andrew Crispo who got involved in this whole sordid scandal involving someone in a leather mask dying. Okay. It's a whole big story. I don't I don't know all the details of it. But that's what I think the inspiration for that storyline is. Okay. And I think at one point there actually was someone going around killing people in gay bars, which we also became the inspiration for the movie Cruising. Right, which I saw. So I, I, that's where I think uh, Ryan Murphy's getting, that's where he's finding his elements yeah, yeah, for the yeah. storyline yeah. this year. There was... I know there's, for supposedly there's been complaints like, oh, it's another thing where the gays getting killed off. And it's like, well, this is what happens. We used to love to see a gay get killed off on television. We were on television. <laughs> now it's the lead character. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Just sit down. I know. Or on the other hand. Okay, good And I like the nice. idea how they're introducing this virus. Well, that yeah, they that's what I was They saying. haven't really talked about They got yet. this other third thing that, that I don't know if they've addressed enough yet. Yeah, I'm waiting to see what they're going to do with that story. Did Ryan line. bite off more than he could chew? <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me. No, of course not. I mean, as so many of these these series, he sometimes throws so many elements in, like he's yeah. just tossing a salad, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of them are good, and some of them you just push to the side and forget about and them. You do know? season six, seven, and eight without them. Yeah, 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 yeah right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Like, I see that scientist as being out of a job real soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? There's nothing, well, they're not spending any time on that at all. Not yet. I'm assuming he'll maybe get developed in later episodes. I think the, the problem is we know that this he's, he's going the he's going the AIDS way. He's it's all about this disease that's going to come. Yeah, in. but I don't think it's going to be AIDS. I think it's going to be something else. Of course, it's going to be something else. Like this killer was somebody else. Yeah, like there's things that are. Yeah, I think that he's going after that that whole. Uh, you know, so far I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's me too. Very, very gay. Yeah, I think anybody with a sensitivity to like very, very gay. And I love the guy playing the cop, Russell Tovey. In all the beauty and ugliness, he is so hot. Oh, they're all beautiful. They're, they're, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's very, yeah, very. I'm hot. enjoying I, it. Oh, really like him. I'm enjoying it. What else you been watching? Uh, RuPaul, of RuPaul, course. RuPaul, 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 keeps giving me girls to watch. I'm gonna keep watching them. Although I, you know what I did, and I'm so upset, but it's such a not big deal. I bought the season six All Stars, which was the All Winners edition, right? Okay. Okay. That hasn't been available to me streaming unless I buy it yeah. from Amazon. Okay. Ridiculous. So I bought the season. It cost me twenty dollars. Twenty dollars is shit to buy the season. Um, Jesus. It's easy enough to do Amazon Prime. That's the problem. Is it's so easy. Click, click, click. Uh, because sometimes you sit there and I just I want to see an episode of RuPaul. I just want to see an episode of RuPaul. so. I, what's the new one? And that's a, so I went and it was good. Right. Cool. It was good. Watch anything else? No. No? I don't think so. Okay. You I should have? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, I got plenty that I watched, oh, believe it or not. You. Most of it the past, well, actually, some during the week off, and then some the past couple of days. First, we watched the movie Bros, the Billy Eichner romantic comedy. Oh my god, I can't believe you waited this long to bring it up. Finally watched it. We watched it on demand, of course. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, good. It was a cute, gay, romantic comedy. Did you expect not to enjoy it? I, I probably, no, I did not expect to not enjoy it. Did you have a little bit of cunty sort of... Let's see how good this is. Why is he opening his mouth? Maybe he should. Like, how? It no, I try to go in with, you know, with an open mind, the same way when I saw the Fire Island movie. You know, let's see what they have to say and stuff. Yeah, but no. Okay, I'm talking about the whole Billy Eichner thing. Okay. His hissy fit in afterwards and not making the that. Yeah, that, think, that was a mistake on his part. Of course Without a doubt. But what I'm saying is how much did it affect your uh, precon- or preconception of it going? Did it have to prove something to you in order to get past that? No, it just had to be a good romantic comedy. Okay, and it was. And it was. It really was. It was very funny. It was also very sweet at times. The guy playing opposite Billy Eichner, this guy Luke McFarlane. Okay, okay. Well, you knew how to wow. do that. Wow. Hot, hot, Hot. Okay. Oh my God. Billy Atkins, I gotta be with a dog. <laughs> <laughs> he was very hot in his. Oh my God. But like I said, it was funny. It makes fun of the community at times, which I enjoy. Yeah, people, other people hate, but whatever. Get yeah. Uh, because there's not the scene, because he's like on this, he gets on the board of this, in this new queer history museum that's gonna open up, or whatever. Okay. And there's like one of every community member yeah, on yeah, this yeah, board. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they get into all these ridiculous arguments which are very funny. But it's just, like I say, it's a cute, sweet, funny, romantic comedy. I definitely recommend it. No, it's not the groundbreaking film that Billy Eichner was making it out to be, but it's a very funny, very, very good film. I By nature of the fact you put my impression, okay, is that it's a very, it's well made. Yeah. But it is formulamatic. In its sort of layout. Of course, it's a romantic comedy. They follow a formula. They follow follow a formula. So in doing the first gay couple in a major movie release following that formula. Right. Is what his thing should have been. Yes. Instead of you saying. That's the accomplishment. Yeah. So he now turns it on a judgment. the, The lack of success of it being a judgment of straight people. Which of course we all know is ridiculous. Yep. I think if he had just released it onto a streaming service and not do a theater, it would have had a much better overall uh, reception to it. I don't know. Like, okay. I think he set himself up for a fall by insisting on it being released in theaters. I okay. It seems like maybe he was expecting it to be considered a big a bigger event than it was. He was treating it like an an event film. I it, it, and it's not it's that. It's not it's not that. Okay, the boys are hot. It's a cute little romantic comedy. You gaff, you laugh, yep. you giggle, you feel bad. That's so cute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So oh, they end up together at the end. Everybody's up. There's a scene in front of a large crowd at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. I won't give away anything. Okay. Yeah. And there's a nice cameo by one straight actress. I won't say who. Okay. And who it's, makes it's, a cameo? It's two men in that in that sort of. Okay. So great. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't, uh, uh, it was released at a bad time of year. I think so too, you know? Romantic comedies? We've you, discussed this. Yeah, we've we discussed this before. Romantic comedies are a spring thing. Spring? Early February before Valentine's Day, you know? Oh, Valentine's Day. 
Or even during the winter holidays, during like December, you know, there are hit romantic comedies or hits then too, I would think. You think? But not summer. It's not a summer film. It's not October. It's certainly not October. I know. Summer movie, it could be, okay, never mind. We talk about movies like either one of us have any fucking idea what we're talking about. Of course we do. Oh, uh, okay. We are movie watchers. Of movie. course we know what we're talking about. Okay. Which leads me to the next show that I watched oh, on, so more. on Netflix. Yes, it was a, I think, seven-episode series called The Watcher. We have talked about this before. Yes, we have. I have nothing further to say. In other words, I have not watched beyond our last discussion of this particular show. Okay. I can tell you it was really, really good. It's based on a true story, but what's depicted in this film is generally fictional. In the true story, the family that bought the house never even moved into the house. Right. Right. In this, the family moves in. Okay, so let me ask a question. Who did... Ryan Murphy was uh, was often co-producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get very far with it. Uh, Because you know why? I find it hard to believe that I'm going to sit and commit seven hours of my life over threatening letters in the mail. It just doesn't appeal. Like, it doesn't seem like I have time for that sort of nonsense. Rip the, unless something's physically Well, it happening. was intriguing because you got to watch the whole deterioration of this family under this stressful situation and everything. And, I mean, and you're spending the whole movie trying to guess who's sending these letters. That, the, the old couple who lived next door, what's his name, was the was the guy. Uh, I forget his name, the actor. Yeah. I know you mean. They, were the, they played a married couple who lived across the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, who has their chairs facing that? Yeah, yep, yep. The fuck is his name? That's it. They don't see they, like they basically they, they in this family that like, their whole family deteriorates. They alienate themselves from like most of their neighbors. It's just it's just this one rolling ball of tragedy going downhill. In response to these anonymous threatening letters, yes, sent or left in the mailbox, yes. Um, and it never goes beyond. There's no physical violence ever. There's a, well, I wouldn't say there's no physical violence. There's some physical confrontations that occur. Oh, yeah. it's, okay. Oh, it's, not, it's not a murder. It's not but it's not, murder. no, it's nothing like that. They no. got scared of the letters in the mail. But, and they try to trace the whole mystery of who's sending these letters. Right, right. But it got so bad that they, that the family had went to chaos and yeah. conflict and yep. uh, the family broke up and left the house. Well, then they get, to, well, I don't want to reveal what happens at the end. The family does get together but there's a but, <laughs> you know. Okay, yeah, a but, uh, and it's all because of the the mean notes left in the mailbox. That's what starts the whole thing rolling. I'm asking if it goes beyond. Like, is that do, do people invade their property? Are they no. are they ever threatened physically? Are they ever caught in a room? Do I get they chased down by cars? Or like, like nothing like that. No, they got nasty letters in the mail. Yeah, this I, is I, more I, about their paranoia acting on them than yeah. anything else. Okay, but it, it, Naomi Watts and Bobby Carnaval—they're the leads. In I it. like they're, Bobby Carnaval. They're both really good in it. They yeah. really, really are. And Jennifer Coolidge is in it. Jennifer Coolidge, I saw it with her. She was the real estate she agent. She plays the real estate agent. Yeah. She's great. Um, she's, she's great. always fun. She always really fun. is. And Joe Mantello is in this one also. And he plays a shady character in this thing. He's really good. But yeah, so I definitely recommend The Watcher. Oh, yeah. And then lastly... I didn't get through it. Uh, well, I recommend it. Lastly... Lastly, we watched a movie on Netflix called The Luckiest Girl Alive. Okay, hold on. I think I've heard of it. It stars uh, Mila Kunis. Okay, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's all about this young woman. She's on the verge of getting married. Okay. And it seems that she was the one of the few survivors of a mass school shooting. Oh, oh, okay. And one of the other survivors is coming out, has been coming out with a story implying that she was involved in it. In the shooting itself. Yeah. And 
things start happening with her emotionally and stuff, and everyone thinks it's about the man shooting, but it's really about something else that happened back then, right before the shooting happens. Okay. I don't want to talk anymore. I don't want to give a say anymore without giving it away. This segment just falls flat all the time because of that. Plus, <laughs> I don't want to give away spoilers, you okay, know? Okay, all right. Okay. But Mila Kunis is re it's really, 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 really good. She's okay. really, really good in it. Connie Britton is in it, playing her white trash mother. All right. She's great. Love her. Okay. And the very handsome Finn Whitrock is in it. Oh, I love Finn Whitrock. Yeah, he plays her fiance. He's got that dark sort of Mysterioso thing. I like him. And he has a shirt off quite Quite a does few he? scenes. Yes, I mean, he does. I'm sure, he, I'm sure his his abs are fabulous. His he's not like built, built, but he still perfect. looks very yummy. His stomach is flat. <laughs> uh, I don't remember if it was flat enough, but it wasn't flabby. Yeah, okay. So that's what I all watched this past week. You, that's what I all watched. Yes. The fuck accent is that? I all. I all watched. I all watched. Would you prefer I use the royal we? I all watched. <laughs> that is what we watched this week. Okay. Uh, well, no. In this case, it, you'd have to say it in the accent because we is always you and Steven. Yes. So, and we know that your psychosis as a couple is that like we can't watch TV without the other one present. Heaven forbid. Okay. So, yeah, you can't keep up on scenes. Although I let him watch, I, I let him watch Lucifer. He, he watches that show. Okay. Well, he's beautiful. Oh, yeah, the guy playing Lucifer. Yeah, yeah, he's very hot. Yes, he is. Yeah, so Steven's and I don't watch, watch that. that. So, yeah, first of all, the lettuce thing, you're not going to get me because... Yeah. Uh, and this thing, what was my beef with this one? The Luckiest Girl Alive. The Luckiest Girl Alive, yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened to that? Forget about it. <laughs> Can we move on to our next segment, then? Sure. Are you sure? I don't care. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Yes, it's time once again for people saying stupid things. That only played once. Yes. Wasn't that good of me? Anyway, this week's nominee for people saying stupid things is the one and only Elon Musk. Oh, Elon. Yes, this is the man who, of course, recently took over Twitter, and he even wrote an open letter to his advertisers last week, pledging that Twitter would not become a quote-unquote free-for-all hellscape. Okay. So, in response to a tweet from Hillary Clinton about the attack on Paul Pelosi, the Speaker of the House's husband, right. Musk wrote, there is a tiny possibility that there might be more to the story than meets the eye. He then shared a link to an article from the Santa Monica Observer, which is a website with a history of publishing false stories. And in this case, it made all these false stories about Paul Pelosi and his attacker, and the saying that they were lovers, right? Okay, and all this shit. All right, yeah. So of course, Elon Musk posted that. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, he deleted it a few hours later, but by then, tens of thousands of people had already retweeted it. Which is why you should answer calls from legal first. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he hadn't ignored his lawyer... Verify it! But this is... Mis this guy is such an ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, how many other stupid things has he posted on Twitter, for God's sake? I kind of say... You know? Oh, endless. This is a guy who wants to negotiate peace with Russia over yeah. Ukraine by yeah. giving you Russia everything it wants. I follow him on Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, well, I follow a whole bunch of people that you would sort of disapprove of. But there's a whole thing on Twitter. I know you don't use Twitter so much. You're not a... Well, I use it mostly for promoting the podcast. Right, right, right. I was I'm really into Twitter. 
Like, yeah, sort of crazy. Uh oh. So I like Twitter, and I'm not. A lot of people are are canceling their accounts. Well, so what do you think of this? Well, first of all, are you bothered that he owns Twitter? Yes. My attitude was like, if I can tolerate Mark Zuckerberg owning Facebook, I can deal with Elon Musk owning Twitter. Okay, here's the thing. You're talking about two entirely different personalities, though. Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, they they can't. I find it hard to relate them. What is he drinking? Let me see that. You think Prosecco? It's Basically, pink champagne. Oh. Here on the gay men cranky with well, their neighbors. Are you coming to give me more? Are you trying to get me drunk? He's, well. My producer is so attentive to me. Maybe tonight you'll leave trying him alone. Trying to get rid of the shit. <laughs> All right, so where were we, what were we talking about? Talking about Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I mean, let's put it this way. If he starts charging for Twitter, yeah. Well, that's the thing with. I'll be saying goodbye. With Stephen King. Well, he brought that. This, Stephen, this whole Stephen thing. King's like. Fuck that. This they can pay was, me. It was brilliant. This whole <laughs> was thing was brilliant. fucking brilliant. And, and then Elon Musk responds by negotiating. He's like, to how about $8 a month? And then posted that as a separate tweet, the $8 a month. Yeah. To the regular public. Yeah, that was that was the weird fucking shit right there. That For the verification mark. I'm going to pay $8 a month for the verification mark, which negates the idea of a verification to begin with. Exactly. If I can do it by myself. Right. So I, I, and Twitter isn't going to change that much for me with or without the blue mark. I, I don't think it will for Stephen King either. Exactly. Okay. So in its face, it's just a ridiculous thing. It seems like he's trying to figure out how to make the fast money grab right now. Of course. I throw all money to spend buying Twitter. Now he wants to make money back any way there's he can. A shit, there's a shit ton of advertising. I believe Twitter, if he sort of lets it, which of course already he hasn't, but if he had let it sort of coast along, for a little while, get to know, you know. Uh, but I think Twitter's going to change a lot. I, I don't uh, anticipate liking it very much. Probably not. I know I'm going to hold on to the... Because I like Twitter. I love Twitter. I've always loved Twitter. And to see Twitter go like this... But we'll see. I, I'm going to hang on. Okay. I'm not going anywhere A lot of yet. people are jumping ship. I know. People are just like, oh, Elon Musk, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm getting out of here. Well, he's an asshole. We know he's an asshole. And I, I think Mark Zuckerberg's an asshole too, but I'm still on Facebook. I don't see Mark Zuckerberg as nearly as dangerous as Bob Musk, Phil Musk. Let's put it this way. I use Verizon. I probably wouldn't like the guys who are in charge of Verizon, but I'm still using their phone service, you know? That's right. But it's like, then when they start doing something that runs afoul of certain things... Then we reevaluate the situation, you know? But well, now I'm not going to make this, oh, it's him, that's it, I'm gone. Uh, some people are like that. I know. But like I said, we'll stay tuned and be keeping an eye on he's, him. He's coming in with a very, mm, mm. he represents what could be. Again, I think this is very interesting. Like, I wish I could see back and say what happened in the first five years of, right. of Elon Musk going into Twitter. That's how it interests me. And there's nothing I could do about that because I can't. So I speculate. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's a scary place. We'll see. But the Elon Musk, we say... Stupid! You're so stupid! Yep. Richest man in the world want my $8 for a blue check mark. Don't mean shit if I do it myself. Exactly. Julie Andrews, take us away from all this misery. Raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. It's that first measure of music when they come in under her and she just picks up and or suddenly she's singing. I think that's like she's a pro. Or like how do you like musicals when they're, they're talking and all of a sudden they're singing? It's like I that, love it. Yeah, that moment, right. Because like 
The perfect embodiment. Yeah, that's it. Right yeah. there. Crazy. But anyway, for five faves today, oh, being shit. that it was election season, oh. I figured we'd go a little bit uh, oh, off the wall topic. And crazy. today we're naming our five favorite fictional rulers. Rulers. Yes, they could be presidents, kings, dictators, but all fictional, of All course. fictional. They have yes. to be fictional. They yes. have to be rulers. Yes. Okay. Uh, for some reason in my head, I had the word king. Did you Did you send me in your... Did I you said king? president, king, dictator. President, king. Any kind of ruler, a fictional ruler. Your five favorites. Yes. Now let me ask you this. Yes. Is it? Is it? Are they favorites because I admire their work, or are they favorites because uh, they're... Uh, okay, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, Poseidon. Poseidon, King of the Sea. King of the Sea. Okay. I like their tuna very much, and I think that if I can support them in a simple way, then that's Chicken of the Sea. Yes, that's not Poseidon. Poseidon's King of the Sea. King of the Sea. Okay. Yes, Poseidon. Okay. Yeah. Also, I like his whole shoulders and upper back chest thing. He's, oh, he's quite beautiful. Okay. My first choice for the geeks out there is Aragorn from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, who becomes the King of Gondor at the end of the trilogy. I've made both those songs, those sounds. What sounds? Aragorn. 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 Even better. Aragorn. And the other one was Gollum. Gollum. Gondor. 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 I take it you're not a fan of the Lord of the Rings? Never have been. Have you ever seen the movies? Nope. Never read the books. Uh, you should Couldn't see the guy, identify see, them if they came the up actor playing Aragorn. Oh, listen, they were beautiful men everywhere. Mm. Luckily, you know. If we saw this beautiful like man, you'd want him to place his scepter in you, believe me. You're so badly euphemistic. Thank you. Who's your second choice? Oh, shit, we're up to the second choice. Ready? Yes, Ursula. Yeah. Ursula? Ursula. What is she, Ursula, what is she queen of? What is she ruler of? Are you kidding? She has those two those two eels next to her? But is she ruler of no, something? No, she's probably not a ruler of something. Okay, fine. A ruler of something, like a, like a, like a head of government type, a uh, fictional sort of, um, hmm, hmm. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, Charlie Sheen on The West Wing. Mean Martin Sheen. Yes, Martin Sheen. President Bartlett. Yes, I liked him. Yes, he was a very good TV show president. Yes, very upholder of the liberal idea. Yes, yes he was he only was. supposed to ever be a guest star. He was supposed to only have like a recurring role in the show, but yeah. eventually. His role became bigger, which I guess didn't make Rob Lowe too happy, who eventually left the show. Rob Lowe came out of that show looking pretty good. They all did. Because I think the show was supposed to be about the West Wing staff, staff. and everything. Not yeah. so much the president. Right. But Martin Sheen being the Martin Sheen. People watched it because Martin Sheen was in it, and he played a great character really well. Right. So why not ride with Martin a little while? I always love that scene in the has in the church when he argues with God. Yeah, yeah. Over after the death of his secretary. That's a great scene. Yeah. Really is. He's he's I admire his presence. Okay. Martin Sheen. I believe he believes in what he's saying. I wonder if it's acting or if he's just televangel evangelizing. What do they call that when you when you try to get somebody to join your church. Uh, Peripheral, per, per... Converting? No, no. Um, I don't know what you're Will you stand up and preach about God? Proselytize. Proselytizing. That's Proselytize. A, that's a bad word for certain people. Proselytize. Proselytize. Like, yeah, see, it's bad. It's it's bad. Break it down for me. Proselytize. 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 It ties. Let ties. Proselytize. Proselytize. Yeah, that's it. Prasseler. Shut up. Prasselysize. No, there's a double L. All right, yeah. I'm done. 
<laughs> anyway, some words are hard. That one's the hardest for me, personally. So far, as a person. Proselytize. Yes, proselytize. Yeah, I hate that. And somehow that related to whatever led me into it. My second choice, you're not going to have heard of at all. I'll be sure of that. You have, you're familiar with the movie Dune? No. No? you Add ne- that to the Harry Potter. Really? Oh, you've never seen Rings, Dune. Star Trek, Star Wars. Well, what? Dune was originally a novel, sci-fi novel. a conversation before. Over written and over by again. Frank Herbert. Herbert, and he wrote a series of books. He did. In the, yeah. Called the Dune series. And your now. favorite is the third. And, and one of the no, no, one of the last ones he wrote was called God Emperor of Dune. Okay. And it's about the character of Leto II, who was okay. the son of Paul Atreides. Good king. Well, he becomes the emperor of the known universe. He's a giant, huge okay. worm, basically. Right. Sandworm. Uh, and he rules the universe. And he's a cruel ruler, but he's able to see the future, and he's trying to lead humanity a certain way so that it survives into the future. So he's a good guy. Yes, but his methods are questionable yes okay but the book itself like parenting it's a the book itself god emperor it's my favorite of all the doom books it's the most philosophical okay it's a very philosophical character very philosophical why do you take over the universe without you have a philosophy so that was my second choice emperor leto the second okay thank you for sharing us with that us that with us my third choice would have to be charming as he appears in pippin Ah! Okay. I love that number. Yes. I love that relationship he has with both of his sons. Yes. It seems fun to me. It's a great role. Yes. Yes, Charming. it is. Very good. I like Charming. that choice. Good song. Anyway, I'm going to move on to my third choice now for favorite ruler. Did we turn our heads and cough? Well, we did that a while ago. Huh? I know. What was the topic? Did You'll have to listen to the episode. Anything but that. Anyway, my third choice for favorite fictional ruler is from Futurama, the president of the earth, Richard Nixon's head. Okay. <laughs> All right, we could do worse, unfortunately. We can now say that we could do worse. Yes, he's much, a lot funnier than the original Nixon, that's for damn sure. Oh, yeah, well, Nixon had no sense of humor. Though a bit more despotic than the original Nixon. Okay. But still a funny ruler nonetheless, so I I had to pick him. I have seen that show. uh, It's Matt Groening. Yep. And it looks just like The Simpsons in space. I mean, exactly. It's a very funny show. It, I yeah, love it. Yeah, I can put it on any time, and it's just yeah, it's hysterical. I have never. I I'm, was never a Simpsons fan. I don't know. Really? Yeah, I never watched The Simpsons. Wow. And I, I had watched a couple of episodes of this, and but I never like stop on it. So oh, this will be funny. Even though I know it will be. Yeah. Like there, there'll be a Modern Family, or I go go back to the news. I watch too much news. Yeah, I'm sure. It stresses me out. Anyway, what's your number four choice of? Kings or Rulers? Yes. Henry from Lion in Winter. Ooh. That's an interesting choice. Henry II. Is he the second? It yes, he know. is. I, I mean, they yeah. explain it, but it doesn't. it's not a plot point. It's Catherine of, uh, Catherine of Aquitaine. Yes. It's yeah. played by Peter O'Toole in the film. I don't, know who, I don't know who oh, played it on Broadway. I don't know, but what's his name? Um, the guy we saw in The Thing, Christopher Walken, Played the youngest son, Lewis, on Broadway. He gets the credit inside. The yes, book. so you're right. I, uh, sorry, I've heard read that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Christopher Walken is Lewis, but Henry. That's Wine a good choice, boy. man. I like Henry. I, um, and it's written. Who wrote it? Oh God. I can't remember now. Let me see. I'll look it He's up. He's one of those linguistic sculptors. Yeah, because I mean, it's a whole battle of wit between Henry and Eleanor. You know, I I, I just like and I just and, read it, it recently. and they're all playing as. James Goldman. 
James Golden. Yeah, and it's this whole, it's a whole political power game going on between not only the husband and the wife, but the kids. Exactly. They're the kids. involved in it too. His mistress. Yep, his mistress, the king of France. The king of France, uh, yeah, who has slept with the oldest son. Yep. Of the, yeah, and it's just so witty and so wry and so sophisticated. I love that. I it's love a great movie, great play. Great I just play. read the play again for myself for fun. So he's in my head. So it just so happened that. If I was taller, I'd love to play Henry. You could never. I know. I'm not tall enough. No. And you're too old. No, I can do it. Henry was 50. So I could pull it off. 50. I look better at you than I I do. Yeah. 50. (laughs) Yeah. You. Shut up. Play 50. My number four choice. Better be God himself. (laughs) Get me a blank mirror. No. It's Zaphod Beeblebrox. Yeah. The president of the galaxy from the... Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. Another series of books and films you're not familiar with. That we've been talked about before. Yes, we have talked about it before because Sam Rockwell played him in the movie. I like Sam Rockwell. He was in that thing. Yep. Well, he was in this movie, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Was he handing in Spokane live on Broadway? Yes, he was. Yes, he he was. He was the, the bellhop. Yes, he was. Mervyn. Mervyn DeBell. Mervyn was his thing. All right. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. But yes, that two-headed president, too. He has two heads. Does he? Yes. And uh, considered a moron. Do they ever argue? Oh, considered a moron. <laughs> yes, he's pretty much of an idiot. Okay. <laughs> so it's all about the courtiers and... and, and uh, this is about him having fun and pulling pranks and shit like that. This is animated? Oh, no. This is, this is a book and then was later made into a film called The uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, The Hitchhiker's And there's actually also a, uh, there was a British series based on the books as well. Okay. Yeah. Never read never saw it. I know. You're so illiterate. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a disgrace to my educational system. Yes, you are. My final choice from the 1933 film Duck Soup. What about what? President Girl. Rufus T. Firefly, played by Groucho Marx. Okay. You know, are you familiar with the film? Not, uh, no. He's president of a country called Fredonia. Oh, that's with the old, with the, with the lady, the, Margaret Dumont. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the, movie's, classic. The, the movie's famous for the famous mirror scene in which Harpo's dressed in the same nightshirt okay. as him. And they're doing the whole, you know, mimicking each other. It's a very famous comedy scene. Yes, it is. Lucy showed it to us again a couple yes, she years did. later. She recall, yes, she reprised effect. it. Yes, she did. But yes, Rufus T. Firefly, okay. president of Fredonia. What about if I say the king in uh, Once Upon a Mattress? Are you going to go with that one? He's the mute king. No, what are you writing? Uh, I'm just writing this down to add some of the list. The mute king. God forbid the archives. List that as a choice, as an option that I'm still... Oh! Final choice, goddammit. King Arthur. King Arthur. King See, that of was the Britons? Easy. That was easy enough. Camelot. He's appeared on Broadway many times. Arthur has. Oh, you prefer the Camelot King Arthur? I am very happy with the Spamalot. Oh, the Spamalot King Arthur. Yes, not to say, yes. King Arthur, the Camelot version, the, yes. Okay. King Arthur. Pulling the sword out the stone. Do you remember who played him first on Broadway? No. Tim Curry. You lie. I lie not. Tim Curry. Tim Curry played author, author in on Spamalot. In, oh, on Spamalot. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I was talking about Camelot. Yes, I saw Tim Curry do that along with David Hyde Pierce and um, Frank Azaria. Frank Azaria. Frank Azaria. <laughs> that was one of those I was like, I'm never going to get to see Hank Azaria. Like, 
This is crazy. That this was crazy. The, the, the cast was crazy. It was Tim Curry, Hank Azaria, um, um, uh, David Hyde Pierce. Uh, Sarah Ramirez. Sarah Ramirez. But then there was the the one who played his, what's, what was it? His slave. That was Michael McDonald played. The fuck is the character? Name? Oh, I can't think of it now. I can't think of it now. Patsy. Patsy, that's it. Yep. Yeah. I, I was, I thoroughly enjoyed that. People are doing it now. I've never done it. Um, I, it was a joyous, happy show. Fun. Ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Uh, but uh, the legend of King Arthur yes. itself yes. is one that, without bullshit as an excuse to pick up for wasted time, but like it's interesting how the story, the the, the theme of it uh, that it's as random as whoever can pull this thing out the thing or. Um, Excalibur from the sword. Exactly. Stone. Exactly. So I like King Arthur. I, I like King Arthur, yeah. Okay. Good yeah. choice. Thank you. We're now done with five faves. Why was that so hard? I don't know. You made it a lot harder than it had to be. You really did. But that's okay because we're going to move on now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old gaming gripe of the week. And so what's your gripe? A couple of weeks ago. Yes. I had three really great ideas. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. I I did one of them that night. Okay. <laughs> I did another one the next week. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing the third one now. What are these great ideas that you're doing? I did them all. So if you want to see them, you have to go back and look for them. Okay. But in the last three episodes, I have done three things, okay, that uh, I had ready the night that I gave the first. I had them ready. I had three of them ready. So I said, no, I'm going to wait. And I did one bad. I don't know. I did two bad. And I'm going to do third one now. And what I'm saying is that... Uh, I did that. That it's there. That it's an Easter egg. Go find it. And that next week, I guarantee no. Okay, but this is my gripe of the week. It's the sound made by the elderly when they sit or when they stand, or almost any shift of position at all. But you make the same sound. I do. <laughs> I do. And I can't even say it's cute or charming when I do it because it's not. It's embarrassing. It's horrible. And everybody does it. And there are some people who play with it. And, uh, you know, uh, it's used very commonly. I think it's a common experience. I hate the sound of it. To me, it's like sneezing in public. That, that, that bothers me. that shit. Are you kidding me? Well, I thought you meant just the sound. I don't meant just the act. Does the sound bother you? Or is it just the act of, of someone sneezing? Sneezing. In public? Yeah. It's just a fact of life. It That's the. That's no, that keeps me out of shit like theaters and yeah. But you work in a theater. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's not the same thing. Why isn't it? Because I'm isolated over there by myself. And I'm not in the room where people sneezing. But you you work in the lobby. I work in the lobby. And people will or can sneeze in the lobby. They congregate in the lobby. Yeah, people So therefore the you could be a recipient. I- of whatever germs are released from that sneeze I, in that lobby. I'm sure that has happened many times. Okay. Don't let the idea that the four-foot wooden bar or whatever the fuck it is, the uh, that six feet, six square, whatever it is I have in that corner underneath that staircase is mine and mine alone. I'm the only one back there ever. Uh, well, not ever, but like shift. Like when when there's people in the lobby, I'm been, I'm there alone, and I have that much space. Okay. To move it, and I can position myself accordingly. If I notice, I don't know. Of course, you don't know. But a big old sneeze out in public? No. 
no, no. And that's what people grunt in when they get up and when they sit down. That uh, should think about. So you don't like those noises? No, I don't. I, I, I recognize them. I accept them. I make them myself. But you don't like them. But I don't like them. Okay. Think about that. Next time you oi, every time you sit down, uh, that the person next to you didn't hear the same oi from five different people all day long. Yes. So stop it with, uh, but you can't because it's thing. It's what people do. It's what evidently. Yes, it's apparently. it's an across the board. It's like a, a, uh, every human, every uh, human, no matter what color. Uh, exactly. Those are good demonstrations. Thank you. Thank you very much. A little more theatrical than a lot of people do. Yeah, that was um. Yeah. So everybody knows. Okay. Everybody knows. My gripe is about my Netflix service. Uh-oh. It is the worst. Netflix? Yes. No. We are constantly getting knocked out of, we'll be watching something, and then all of a sudden, we're knocked back all the way to the very first screen when we first turn the TV on. Okay. It'll just totally knock us out. Or it'll freeze up. And not like it's still downloading something. It just freezes yeah. up sometimes. My iPhone does that. And it's been like chronic, like the past couple of weeks now. It's been like ridiculous. That's so annoying. fucking bad. You send them an email? Not, not yet, no. No, no. But somebody will hear this podcast. And they're going to tell Netflix and they're going to address Netflix. it. But just say, yo, you know what I heard on They have enough problems with their stock dropping right now. Well, everybody's trying to get used to, you know, except for oil companies. Go ahead. Oh, don't, don't, don't even get started yeah. on that, please. But that was, that's, that's my gripe for the week. Good. Next topic. Okay. Well, there is no next topic. We are now at the end of our show this week. Oh, this could make me religious. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Remember, you can find all of our episodes plus our bonus material on our blog at www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. You can also follow us for our daily posts on Facebook and on Elon Musk's Twitter. <laughs> are you going to keep it on Twitter? What do you mean? Like the account, like people are bailing on Twitter. Are you yeah, gonna, I'm you staying gonna, on there. You're going to stay on Twitter. Do you have until, until I'm given a reason to not be on there, I'm going to stay on there. All right, okay. And so far, like I said, his simply acquiring ownership now hasn't affected, hasn't affected me. He hasn't changed my mind. Str- uh, 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 a moral convict about supporting anything that he does or... That's a whole different story, but his taking over Twitter, it's like meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Okay, good. So now, that's how I feel about it. Do you have a personal uh, Twitter account? No, I don't. So I your whole use... Twitter experience is through... GrumpyOldGamerInTheDogs.com. That's correct. All right. That's the way I like it. I'm sorry for the interruption. Quite all right. I haven't loved Twitter. I, I made my Twitter feelings clear, I think, before. I, I think you have, It too. was today we did it? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Anyway, we want to thank my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast, for bringing in the chocolate chip cookies I think Tommy brought in earlier. The dinner he made tonight. Delicious dinner, it right? It was the, like, American... Chicken cutlet and mashed potatoes and, and corn with and butter. And corn, and, corn, and it was... I mean, not corn, carrots with carrots, butter. Right. A baby carrots. Yep. Uh, Delicious yeah. dinner. Uh, it was like American comfort food. Yes, it was. That chicken cutlet, fried chicken cutlet with some mashed potatoes and, you know, pick your vegetable. Yeah. Nice, simple, easy meal to make, you know. Comfort food. It yep. makes you feel good. Exactly. All right. Anyway, this brings us to the end of our episode. So we're just going to say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. Bye.